0: Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Absolutely. Well, good morning, Soul City Church. How we doing? Wow, pretty good. You sound good. You look Great, believe me, even on this gloomy day. Uh, Well, if we haven't met yet, my name is John, and I just wanna give a huge, huge welcome to all of you who are gathered here in this room. What a special thing. Those of you who are worshiping with us online, we're so excited. I'm so grateful that you're here because I don't know if you can feel it, but it's just a really exciting time to be around our church. Right now, there's a lot going on. Specifically, this month, we are in a series that we are calling Be Love, where we're talking about how we can both experience and express the love of Jesus more and more and more in our lives. And last week we heard from Pastor Jarrett on what it looks like for us to be generous. Very simply, we talked about how giving to the work of God in the world is simply the best investment that you could ever make. Not only for what that will do for others, but actually what that practice of generosity, it's a great investment in yourself. And in your own growth and your own transformation. And so last week, we invited folks from our church to either begin or grow their generosity by giving to the work of God through this church. And I have an update for you. I'm very excited to let you know that last week, here's what's amazing 194 folks said yes to that opportunity. That's, that's incredible. That's a hundred listen, don't miss the significance. That's 194 people who put a stake in the ground and they said, hey, I want to get in the game here at, a, at, a, at another level. I actually want to release the hold that my, my finances sometimes have over me and I want to begin or grow in my giving journey. That is just incredible. And maybe you weren't here last week or maybe you were taking some time to sort of pray through that, whatever it may be. We don't want you to miss this opportunity not just the opportunity to give to what God is doing, but we don't want you to miss out on experiencing God in new ways as you do it. And so you'll notice behind me, there's gonna be a little QR code that pops up on the screen. Uh, If you scan that, that'll take you to a little form. And if you're joining us online, that form is actually linked in the description. And all this is is just a really simple, but spiritual exercise. Where first, you get to decide how you want to grow in the area of generosity in this next season. And then you have a little space to write yourself a little note. And what you're gonna write there is how you hope God will grow you during that time. So you're gonna write that little note and then by the end of the year, we're actually gonna send that note back to you. And this is just a simple, small way for you to kind of see and track how God is at work in you as you start to partner with his work through this church into the city and all over the world. And all of this stuff, this is just what we believe here, that not only are we able to do all the things that we do as a church through your generosity, but we actually believe that all of us become more and more of who God created us to be through the practice of generosity. That, that ultimately is why my wife Erin and I give to this church. It's not just because I work here, but God works on me through that practice, and so for those of you who consistently give to the work of God in this community, to the 194 of you who began that opportunity, thank you. Thank you so much. God blesses, God does work you will never know through through your small, simple act of obedience. And as maybe some of you are working on that form, our engagement team is going to come forward to receive this week's offering. If you've been around here before, you know there are three ways that you can give. You can give online through our website. Those of you joining us online, that is linked in the description as well. You can give via text. The number is on the screen. Or as you see, our engagement team are passing the buckets right now. You can give in that old-fashioned way as well. Very good. Uh, Well, as I mentioned before, my name is John and I have the honor of serving uh, as one of our teaching pastors here. And every now and then people will ask me, hey, what does that mean? What does teaching pastor mean? And very simply, it means that every now and then I get to get up here on a Sunday and talk to you all for a bit. But but another part of my job that, that I really enjoy is sometimes I have the privilege to walk alongside the people of our church as they go through really, really big moments in life and yesterday I had the opportunity to do that. Last night I had the honor of performing the wedding of a Soul City couple that I love very, very much. A lot of Soul City people were there. A lot of those same people are not here this morning. (laughs) But I love doing weddings. It's one of my favorite parts of my job. Uh, But the one one sad part about it though for me is is where I stand during the ceremony as the officiant where I stand almost always means that I miss one of my favorite parts of a wedding. And maybe it's one of your favorites, too. It's, it's this moment right here. This isn't the wedding yesterday. This is a random wedding from Pinterest. But <laughs> the photographer had slow turnaround times, I guess. But, but it, I mean, who doesn't love this moment? It's the moment when the partner at the front sees their spouse coming down the aisle for the first time. Guaranteed tearjerker right here. And, you know, several years ago when Erin and I were planning our wedding, I knew I was going to be a mess the minute she came down the aisle, and I absolutely was. But I thought, you know, a silver lining is at least I'll get one of these really, you know, cute, tender, adorable photos. Let me tell you, our photographer got the photo, and I thought I would look really sweet and tender and all, and I ended up looking like this. I thought it would be a sweet moment. I thought I would be the next Pinterest groom, but instead I look like a thirsty vampire. Like, I am genuinely surprised Aaron didn't see that face and immediately just turn around and just walk out. Have you ever, have you ever had a moment like this where, where your expectation just didn't really meet with your reality? You ever have one of these moments? Uh, any Pinterest fans out there? Yeah. So how did your spooky ghost Halloween cupcakes turn out? (laughs) Not quite like the picture, yeah? Or or maybe sports fans. My my beloved Chicago Bulls started their season this week. Expectations are high. And so far, I can't believe it, the reality actually looks pretty good. But we're just so used to a bad reality when it comes to sports here in Chicago. Or, or, Or maybe your dating life. Maybe recently you matched with someone on a dating app. And based on their profile... You had tons of expectations for the date. And then you went on the date. And the reality was very different. I think all of us are pretty familiar with this tension because we have lived the last year and a half with COVID. Do you remember in March 2020 when we all expected this to be over by the end of the month? The reality, I guess, has looked very different. But what about faith, though? But have have you ever actually taken a second to really think about what expectations you have for what life with God looks like? If you've been around here for a while, you know that the word that we often use to describe a life with God is the word that Pat was talking about earlier, transformation. Our mission here at Soul City, we say it all the time, is to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus but but when you hear me or Genie or anyone say that phrase week after week, I wonder what picture that creates for you in your head. Really, the question I want to ask, and I want you to ask yourself this morning is: what is your expectation of transformation? Like, what does transformation look like in real life? If I'm gonna enter into this relationship with Jesus, what is that really gonna mean? For me? What what exactly am I signing up for here? And unfortunately, the church, specifically in America, has historically done a pretty terrible job of setting people's expectations for what life with God actually looks like. Maybe in the past, you have received the narrative, either spoken or unspoken, that a relationship with Jesus looks kind of like this. You know? That once you follow Jesus, everything's just up and to the right from there. Everything in your life, your relationships, your circumstances, your finances especially, just gets better and better. It's a bull market driven by the lamb, people. It's beautiful. Or maybe you were given uh, this expectation of what a life of faith is, you know? Forget about up and to the right. Once you follow Jesus, all of your problems should be magically solved. Like all of your struggles just disappear. You become an entirely new, better, more attractive, more fit person overnight. And then you just coast. You never struggle again. Or there's a large set of Christianity that teaches this. Now, the idea being spread here is that the whole point of faith, the whole point of Christianity is just to avoid hell and go to heaven after you die. And so a relationship with Jesus is really just all about getting your ticket punched to the afterlife, which means that once you enter into a relationship with Jesus, nothing else you do here in this life really matters at all, because your only expectation should be about heaven after you die. Now, I want to be really, really clear. I'm not standing up here saying that all of these ideas are 100% false. That There are elements of truth in each of them. However, I don't think that any of them do us the service of giving us a realistic expectation, a realistic picture of what a transforming relationship with Jesus in this life actually really looks like. And so today, I wanna try and give you perhaps a more realistic framework. And this is a framework onto which hopefully you will be able to chart your transformation journey so far, Specifically for those of you who have maybe been around faith for a while, I'm hoping some dots start to get connected and you can see yourself in this a little bit. And I'm hoping that you can also maybe get a little picture of what might be to come. Specifically for those of you who might be brand new to all of this. So I'm going to try and give you this framework and you should know that, that this framework, I did not make it up. Okay, this, this has been adapted from the work of people like Janet Hagberg and Robert Gulick, who wrote a book called The Critical Journey, which is probably the seminal work on, on this idea. Uh, this has been adapted from the work of Pete Scazzaro and Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Pastor Jarrett has taught on this here, and millions and millions of other people of faith have used this framework, or one like it, to help get a realistic picture of what transformation with God really, really looks like. So that, that's what I want to try and give you today. And, and In order to do that, in order to make it come really alive for us, and I think because it'll be really fun, we're actually going to examine the life of one of the characters in the Bible. And we are going to chart his spiritual journey and see how it maps onto this framework. And my hope is that by looking at his spiritual journey, you might receive perhaps greater hope and maybe some healthier expectations for your own. If that sounds good, just nod your head for me. Okay, a few of you are with me. Amazing. Amazing. So I'll warn you, we're going to do a lot of Bible today, but that's part of why we come to church, right? So I'm going to start in Matthew chapter four. You can grab a Bible if you so choose, but like I mentioned, we're going to be jumping around a lot today. So if you would rather just follow along on the screen, all the verses are going to be up there. It's going to be beautiful. Over the next few moments, we are going to be looking at the life of the apostle Peter. If you're not familiar with Peter, he was one of the very first followers of Jesus. He was one of those famous 12 disciples. And his transformation journey starts in Matthew chapter four, verse 18. It says this. As Jesus was walking beside the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called, what? Peter, there's our guy, that's our dude. Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, they were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me. Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. So, to use our language that we use around here, this is the beginning of Peter's transforming relationship with Jesus. And the first stage in any transformation journey is the invitation stage. The invitation stage is the moment or the season where we encounter the reality of God for the first time. Every single spiritual journey starts right here. For me, I encountered this when I was 14 years old at a summer camp in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago. I heard the story of Jesus for the first time and I was so compelled by this vision of this sacrificial God who not only loved all people, but loved every individual person including me, a lost, scared 14-year-old kid. I can remember the exact bench that I was sitting on when I started to wake up to these realities. But for those who have been around this for a while, do you remember what this stage looked like for you? It might have started for you with a literal invitation to come to church or to go over to someone's house. Uh, maybe you can pinpoint a really specific, meaningful moment for you whether it was you know, through baptism or maybe a specific moment in a worship service. Maybe it even happened here in our prayer hall or in a small group. Maybe it happened through a chance encounter in an Uber. I, I don't know. Regardless of the circumstances, this invitation stage, it's the time where it becomes clear that regardless of who you are and regardless of your past, a life with God is actually for you. You start to realize that, oh, this is actually what I was created for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, some of you, some of you in this room are a little confused or you're thinking because you're in this season right now. Like maybe you just started coming to church and you're starting to ask those questions. You're starting to wake up like maybe this whole God thing is, is legit and, and maybe he even cares about me. And you should know if this is the season, if you're in this season of invitation right now, you should know that the only necessary and proper response in this time is just to say yes. Christians traditionally, they have overcomplicated this in a lot of ways. But if you look at the story, when Jesus says to Peter, Come, follow me, that is not preceded by some long theological conversation where Peter gets all his questions answered. He doesn't have him pray this very special, very specific prayer. He doesn't go through a religious initiation. He just goes. The invitation stage is where you realize that God is inviting you. God is inviting all of us to say yes, to live this life with him through a relationship with Jesus. So that's invitation. We're going to move on to the next stage. And in order to do that, we're going to flip a little bit to the right to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14 we're going to find the next story we're going to look at from Peter's life. Verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat that the disciples were on was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, who replied? Peter, there he is again. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? The next stage in the transformation journey is the participation stage. This is the stage where we actually start to do things. We actually start to live life with God. And as a result, we start to learn and we start to grow. And just like Peter in this story, sometimes this stage can feel a little bit scary because we are starting to do or try things that we have never done before. This is the stage where we usually get connected or involved with some kind of church or spiritual community. We might join a small group during this time or sign up to serve or start giving for the first time. I remember I hit this stage for the first time when I was in college, and I just wanted to learn everything that I could learn about God. I read every book I could find, I was constantly listening to sermons every day. I did that Bible in a year reading plan, and I actually finished. The first four months of it, like, I was like an information sponge. That, that's kind of what we're like in this stage. The participation stage, it might be the stage that feels the most like growth. And, and that can be really exciting for us. But also, you should know that in a stage that's filled with a lot of activity, it can be really easy during this stage to start to define our faith by what we do or we start to define our whole relationship with God by how much stuff we're doing or how well we're doing those spiritual practices. And so just a quick reminder to anyone who finds themselves here today, this is not a stage of competition. It's a stage of participation. A life with God, it is not about you working for God. It never has been, it never will be. It's simply about continuing to invest in growth with and alongside God. So we have our first two stages, invitation, participation. Now we're gonna skip ahead a little bit. We're gonna go to Luke chapter 22, the gospel of Luke chapter 22. This story that we're about to read takes place likely several years later. And this is after Jesus has been arrested and as he's being led to, to be tortured and to be put on trial. Luke Chapter 22, verse 54, it says this. Then, seizing him, meaning seizing Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Who followed? Peter. Followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man, Peter, was with them. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord, meaning Jesus, turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside, and Peter wept bitterly. The next stage in the transformation journey is the complication stage. This stage is more commonly referred to as the wall. Very simply, this is the stage where our faith gets shaken. For Peter... If you read through the Gospels, what you'll notice is Peter had all these expectations for who Jesus was and what Jesus was about. And none of those expectations included what was currently happening. Jesus being arrested. Jesus eventually being killed. This is the stage usually where our expectations of God don't really line up with the reality of our lives. What happens here is sometimes the faith that once felt so safe for us and so secure and so predictable, all of a sudden feels foreign to us. It feels uncertain. It can kind of feel like our faith is is fading or drifting away from us. Sometimes we can be brought into this season of complication by something external, like a loss or a death, or perhaps a divorce, or being hurt in or by a church. Other times, it's something internal, Like, as we grow with God, our our questions and our doubts get a little more complicated. And if we don't have a safe space in which to discuss and wrestle with those questions, they'll only get more complicated. Or perhaps we walk through a really difficult season with our mental health, or a time where we're just deep in depression and we lack a community to be and walk with us. I think the reality is, for most people, COVID, spiritual or not, has been a collective wall. Our lives have gotten intimately more complicated in every way. And I I don't think there's a single person in this room who wouldn't raise their hand and say, yeah, my faith is maybe a little bit more complicated than it was a year and a half ago. COVID has been a collective wall. For me, five years ago, when Aaron and I first started attending Soul City, I was in this stage when we showed up. I'd recently had some experiences in my past where I came face to face with just how cruel and and unkind and un-Jesus-like some Christians can be sometimes, and I'd been really hurt by that. And I remember I was sitting in services at, at the beginning, and I still believed in God, but I was really mad at a lot of the people who said they followed him, and I sat in those first few services just like teetering on whether I should just jump off the boat altogether. That, that's what the wall can feel like. But I also have to tell you this. This stage, while it is hard, it is not all bad. In the book, The Critical Journey, uh, Janet Hagberg describes a hidden gift that is present in the wall. And she says it so well. She says this, The wall, a dark and sacred place, reeks of God. In the wall, we are vulnerable enough to listen to what God says, Once we believe that God is in the midst of the darkness with us, it can be a transforming place. We don't necessarily get cured or erase our pain or become saints, but we learn to embrace our pain, how to stay with it, how to learn what it is trying to teach us, how to look fear in the face and keep moving into it. Listen, I've been around here a minute. I know there are some people in this room today, and your faith has hit the wall. And maybe it took all the strength, all the faith you could muster just to get up on a rainy day and show up and sit in the back or just to click a link and tune in online. And as someone who has walked through multiple walls in my journey with God, it's not easy. I'm not going to stand up here and sugarcoat it. This stage is hard. And I hope you keep going. I hope you take Hagberg's advice and you move into it. Listen, if you stay in the game long enough with God, the reality is everyone hits the wall. You probably will hit multiple walls. And it doesn't mean that your transformation journey, it doesn't mean that your life with God has to be over. It just means you're in a new stage. And while maybe it is not a stage you would ever choose, I promise you there is something for you in it if you choose to go through it. All right, one more story, one more stage. Are you with me still? Okay, good, good. I thought I would lose you. All right, Uh, we're gonna turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, this story that we're about to read takes place after Peter's denial of Jesus. After Jesus has been killed and he's resurrected from the grave, he returns to Peter, who has gone back to being a fisherman, by the way, and they have this conversation in John 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And in verse 19, it says, Then Jesus said to him, follow me. This final stage in the transformation journey is the integration stage. Scholars point out that the three questions from Jesus and the three confessions of love from Peter in this passage are meant to be a direct parallel and reversal Of Peter's three denials of Jesus that we just read about. And they also point out that Jesus ends this exchange by giving Peter the same exact invitation that he gave him at the start of his journey. In fact, it's likely that they might have even been on the same exact shore, on the same exact beach, and he says, Follow me. The only difference is Peter is not the same man anymore, Peter has grown. Peter has learned. Peter has walked with Jesus. Peter has hit the wall, and now he's choosing to move forward. The integration stage, it's where we carry all the memories of Jesus' invitation. We take all the things we did and learned during participation. We take all the ways that we were challenged, all the ways we grew during complication, and then we integrate all of that. We don't deny any of it, and we move forward with God. What you do is you allow your journey in the past to inform your journey in the future. People in this stage, they return to the faith they once knew with a brand new point of view. Those in the integration stage, they still have questions. They still have lots of doubts, perhaps, but they no longer carry them in a cynical way. When they experience loss, instead of immediately blaming God, they understand that in our grief, Going to God is a necessity. Folks in this stage, when they give, they don't do it out of obligation or guilt. They truly do it from a place of gratitude and hope. The integration stage is where the fruit of spiritual maturity begins to be seen. This is where we really start to see evidence of our growth. All the work that God was doing in those first three stages, we start to see the fruit of it. And for those here today who are in this stage, do you want to know what comes next? At some point along the way, you receive another invitation. You go right back to the invitation stage. Only here's the kicker this time, it's a deeper invitation. This time, God invites you to go deeper with Him into closer relationship or into greater generosity, or into more responsibility. And that deeper invitation, it's gonna lead to deeper participation. And you will experience a deeper complication, but on the other side, there's a deeper, more profound integration. And then you go again, and then you go again. And each time God calls you deeper, each time the relationship to him gets closer, each time the walls might get harder, but your faith gets stronger through it. That is what transformation looks like in real life. It's not just this up and to the right journey. This is a life of stages and seasons, of growth and walls, of breakthroughs and setbacks. It's a life of all of it. It's a life that doesn't deny the hard parts. It's not a life of only the good parts. It's a life that embraces all of it. But I want you to notice something. I want you to to think back to all of the stories that we just read out of here. Think back to all the stages that Peter has been through on his journey, the exciting, the challenging, the downright difficult. Do you know what was true in every single one of those stages and stories? Jesus was with him. Jesus was there at every single stage, even the wall. I used to think that in that Luke passage when it said Jesus looked right at him, I used to think it was Jesus doing a little gotcha But I actually think that in that moment, it was a profound moment of recognition between two friends, that this has gotten far more complicated than maybe you thought it would. This has gotten a lot harder and I get it. It's a beautiful moment, the transformation journey. It's not a solo endeavor. Jesus is with you regardless of what stage you find yourself in today. There are certain stages that are easier or they feel easier. There are certain stages that feel harder. Some stages are more exciting, other stages you would never choose, but there is no stage where God is not present. There is no step you have taken on your spiritual journey so far where Jesus wasn't walking with you. There will be no step you ever take where he stops. That's just the reality. Here's the truth about the transformation journey. As change happens in us, Jesus remains with us. That's it. Because ultimately, he's the one making the transformation happen. And so if change is happening in your life, that means Jesus is with you, even in the difficult parts of it. I understand over the last couple of years, your circumstances have probably changed a little bit, haven't they? Your relationships have changed. Maybe where you live, your job, how you relate to our world, how you see the world, how you experience God may have changed. All of these things will. Jesus and his love remain. And so what we're going to do over these last couple minutes is we are going to reflect on all of this together by taking communion. And during his uh, final days, Jesus gathered all of his closest followers, including Peter. He gathered them together for a meal. And what he did was he took bread And he took a cup and he gave it to them and he told them to take and eat. And what Jesus was doing is he he did this as a symbol. The bread and the cup, they were, were symbols for his body and his blood that were about to be broken and poured out on the cross. But notice, Jesus, he doesn't have them just hold the elements, he actually has them take the elements, eat them. And he did this as a reminder and we do this as a reminder of the spirit of God that lives within us. Communion ultimately is a reminder that whatever stage you may be in today, Jesus is with you. And so we're gonna take these elements together in just a minute, but first, before you do, I just want you to hold it in your hands and I want you to just take a nice reflection moment between you and God and just answer this question. What stage are you at? What stage in your journey are you at right now? How are you experiencing God? How is he growing you in this season? I think it's really important for us to be able to name that so that we can set our expectations, so that we, we kind of have an idea of how we're encountering and what God is doing in our lives. And so they're gonna throw that framework back up on the screen and in case you need to reference it and just take a moment between you and God to try and name that stage that you're in. And I'll be back up in a minute to lead us through the taking of the elements. So if you're in this room, I'll ask that you stand to your feet as we take communion together. So as we hold the bread, regardless of which stage of this journey you find yourself in, as a reminder that Jesus is with you and for you, we take the bread now. And as we take the cup, regardless of what stage of this journey you find yourself in today, as a reminder that Jesus is with you and for you, we take the cup. And God, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God of the journey, that you're not a God who denies the difficult realities of life. But you're a God who walks with us through it. Thank you, Jesus, that you walked a spiritual journey as a blueprint. Your followers walked this spiritual journey as a blueprint so that we could see what this life might look like. Because ultimately, this framework that we've talked about, I'm struck by how it's not really just the spiritual journey. That's just the journey of life. It's the highs, it's the lows, it's the heavy things, it's the beautiful things, it's the hard things. That's just life. And so the beauty and the truth that we declare and that we remember by taking the bread and the cup now is that you are with us in it. And as the song we are about to sing, you are the fire that leads us. You're the fire through the night. I pray specifically for those who are encountering the wall right now. God, who are wondering if they just need to jump ship or find something else. God, would you encourage them that you are there in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their questions, in the midst of their anger. Would they bring that to you, God? God. And God, I pray a blessing over every single person in every single stage. Would we encounter you and would we declare here and now that we are moving forward in faith, knowing and believing that you are guiding us the entire way. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in your name. Amen.